What's up, YouTube? Today I'm recording my second podcast, Talking Cars. Today I have an amazing guest. Uh, all, most of you guys are, are aware of him. Amazing collector. I mean, uh, what can I say, right? And um, it will be similar to the last one. I will shoot 10 questions. I will answer them and later we'll go back to, to those questions. But before I go into that, I'll uh, say something to, to our viewers. I believe most of them know you, but I still think it's important. All right. Well, I can't start a video with uh, with Andre without saying what's up by YouTube. Uh, <laughs> lo love that. Love that uh, intro much, much better uh, than mine. But, um, you know, I'm on um, Instagram as El, El Rey Collection and I'm a big, uh, mostly vintage soccer collector, but I do kind of bleed into pre-modern and even have surprisingly a few modern uh, cards. I've been collecting, you know, soccer cards for more than 12 years uh and it's been a big part of of you know how i spend my collective hobby time um so again it's a l ray collection i also do some youtube videos that uh, focus mostly on vintage players and uh vintage eras so uh but but happy to be here as we merge kind of uh, a more vintage guy with a more pre-modern guy here with andre no for, for sure and i will leave uh, actually the the your your instagram will appear at, at, at the top and i will share all the links you guys sh should follow because all's uh, collection is is just is is the best collection i know so <laughs> it's just an insane collection and i think it is a must follow on instagram so can i start with this all right yeah. so question number one favorite card in your collection yeah my 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 favorite card for um Again, I'm gonna focus just on soccer cards here because I also collect um, other yes. things. Yes, yes. You know, my, my my favorite one right now it has to be my the the 1957 Pele that I recently acquired, and it's not just because of it's a fact it's one of the few 57 Pele's, but because of how difficult it was to get. You know, you know how how you, sometimes you talk about um, the you know, the chase, and this was an incredibly challenging chase. And, um, and just to have it actually to have it on the want list for 10 years, track it down in a much more competitive environment like we have today, and to make it happen um, was was pretty big to me. So, so that's probably right now. But you know, every time you hold a card, Andre, you yeah, know, yeah. you fall in love with this one, you fall, we're so weird like that. We, we like these little pieces of cardboard. So today it's that a month from now, it could be something different. Of course, you need to be a little bit more fast because we'll go back to to. Oh, okay, them. okay. Question number two: most iconic vintage set ever made, or your favorite vintage set? I know, very difficult question, but what's the yeah. first set? My, in yeah, my first one is going to jump out. It's going to be the Taddy set, nineteen oh seven Taddy set. Okay. Question number two: Maradona, Pelé, and Cruyff. Buy one, sell one old one and i'm not talking about any specific card your sense in the market in general buy one sell one and old one um okay um buy cruyff hold maradona sell pele okay we'll go back into that later Question number four, your three favorite Portuguese players to collect, because I know you love Portuguese uh, releases. Yeah, um, uh, Fernando Peroteo, um, Pepe, and Eusebio. 
Okay, question number five. And I know the answer for this one, or at least I hope I know. Portugal or Argentina vintage releases? Because I know those are two of your favorites. Pick one. I mean, we know the answer. Let's be real, but pick one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has to be Argentina. <laughs> okay. No, but uh, great. Both are great. Uh, question number six. What's the best qu quality you see on the vintage market that will benefit in the long run? If you had to pick something that you believe you should collect vintage because of this uh, one quality alone. Yeah, I would say uh, true rarity. Okay, that's a great one. Question number seven. One year from now, do you believe there is a PSA grading office in Europe? Or at least is official, even if he's not running? Uh, it would be official by December... 2023 yes i'm going to say yes okay question number number eight apart from soccer cards i know you collect uh, um, a lot of things actually <laughs> I'm, I'm very similar on that front tell me two other things that that you collect that uh, you also enjoy quite quite a lot i know you, you collect baseball your your negro collection your I, i also know you collect pokemon so tell me could be those two things i'm just putting out there tell me two things that you also enjoy collecting quite a lot Oh, man okay two things um well negro league baseball cards obviously number one uh, on that and then i'd probably say uh recently i started collecting and i really enjoy uh vintage star wars figures yeah, that's that, that's amazing um question number nine pokemon or f1 what market do you believe will be stronger in five years from now? I know you collect, at least uh, I could be wrong, but I believe you collect some vintage on F1. And I also know you have some amazing cards in, in Pokemon. So I would love to know, uh, again, think, first guess. Yeah, for, first guess, I'm going to say Pokemon. Okay. Question number 10, the last one, and this is probably a personal collection for you. One word to define your baseball Negro League collection, because I know means a lot to you because of the history. Would love just one word to, to define all the years you're going to putting uh, into that collection. Because um, I, I, yeah. I really feel you have a strong passion for, for that. Yeah, I, I mean, historic. Um, you know, okay. I think is yeah, historic. Don't, don't need uh, that. That will be, we'll go there. Okay, <laughs> let's go back to, to the first one. Favorite card in your collection? You said 57. And uh, by the way, congrats on that card. Uh, amazing card. Uh, um, actually, is my favorite Pele. Um, since I knew about that card, even before uh, you, you show your copy, I always thought that that card is just amazing, just special and uh, so difficult to, to obtain. I know the Alifa Bologet is, is quite more popular or even other Pelé's on 58. But um, I think if one person in the hobby should have that card, should, should be you. Um, I'm not saying this to, to please you, but I, I'm always happy when I see someone that puts so much time, that puts so much love into something uh, getting rewarded with that but i would share a little bit more thoughts on that card how difficult it was to obtain because i assume was quite uh, quite difficult yeah well you know it's been I, I first you know one of the things that is good and bad about about soccer vintage soccer and, and even you know pre-modern soccer you know to a certain extent is the lack of information right so you know i think i found out about that card 
when I was watching uh, UOL, uh, UOL, a Brazilian a station, and they interviewed this judge in Brazil and he was showing some of his stickers and he showed that card and it was like, wow. Okay. And he's like, this is the first, you know, sticker and his was in the album and it was the yellow version. And then I'm like, okay, how can I get that, you know, sticker? And I had lots of people looking through Brazil and I actually had kind of a bounty out. Hey, if you find the sticker, I'll pay you X dollars, which was a lot of money, but you know, nobody really found it um over time some copies kind of came through the hobby or they're like oh you know i know this guy found one or somebody else and i just never found him and that particular sticker has a a, a yellow back and a blue back and the blue backs there are many different point values because those were used to yeah. redeem for for um for prizes now the good news is the blue backs because they're supposed to be redeemed don't usually have the back damage you would find on a yellow version because they weren't pasted into albums typically sometimes they were but they were used for prizes so a lot of them got taken out of circulation because people wanted the the football or the bicycle not the the little sticker so you know i just kept you know talking to my contacts talking to my contacts so you find one and then you know prices have gone up so much that people want you know, a lot of money, but I was able to convince the wife that um, it kind of was something missing in my collection and that it was worth, um, you know, spending a lot of money, you know, that, that I never try to tell people to spend more money than they have, but I did happen to have money allocated to that so that I could go, you know, make a run and make a solid offer. And, and, and it took many months to get the funds to Brazil, to get the ultimate sticker sent to, to here. And then it took another month to get PSA to grade it, all the documentation of why it was 1957, um, which they had rejected in the past, but I sent more than 30 pages of documentation um, to PSA to get them to grade it. Um, so I was really happy when it arrived after all that work. And I imagine, just, yeah. You know, but I mean, and 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 I think a lot of people say, "Oh, you like that one because it's the highest value." Not not that I have other. I I have a uh, Alifa Balogue, you know, Balogue from eight point five PSA eight point five, which is probably worth more. Um, I actually, I just, but I actually don't. Uh, I understand because people like high grades, right? But it's so weird that one is is the true rookie this true rookie concept is a weird concept to be fair because saying one is true the others but it's kind of the true rookie and uh, seems quite more difficult to obtain but i understand especially the american market lo loves the psa 9 the psa 8 and the, but yeah, yeah the, the, i think the reason why the uh alifa bolage does so well is because it's available on high grades and to american collectors they really care about those high grades um, and me as a collector you know i just like the first cards or something that's beautiful like uh, high eye appeal so i value those things a little bit differently than than the market i understand the market don't get me wrong and you need to um but you know I, i'd say that i had the same amount of joy you know getting a, a pepe card i don't know if i posted it on on your discord but you know, I've been searching for a Pepe card, you know, player, you know, year issued, and I found a 1928 Pepe card. And, 
you know, the joy of finding that card and getting that card, even though, you know, the value is completely different is just immense. So, you know, I think that's yeah. some of the things that I just tie into what are my favorite cards is the chase of how to get them and how long I wanted them. And then the trades you have to make or the contacts you have to make to get them because, you know, that's, that's some of the fun part of, of soccer getting packages from all over the world, you know, is this really fun? I wish I was a stamp. He's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. You know, because it's super diverse, right? Um, searching cards in Portugal, in Argentina, in Brazil. Uh, again, it's just an amazing experience. So, yeah, I mean, great answer. Um, what can I say? I mean, uh, that's uh, one of the Holy Grail cards for me in the hobby without any type of doubt. So congrats again. Thank Let's you. go back to the question number two. Uh, most iconic vintage set ever made. Um, what's the name of the set? Because I actually... Yeah, 1907 Taddy set. Oh, the um, yeah. The, so the... it's a British... Uh, you know, issue. There's, there's, you know, a few sets that have, um, that just, you know, have websites that are dedicated to people that collect the set. And this is a set from the UK. And what I love about that set is that it's so like iconic in terms of what it looks like. Um, I don't happen to have one. I don't have a tatty laying around, but it's, it's a white, background with an oval photograph of the photo and no, the, I, I know the set you, you actually Futero actually made the um, exactly kind of like a, a throwback uh, recently a throwback that, that, set to the tatties yeah and there's a full website there's it's like a cult-like following for this set in the uk and you when you hold these cards they're just so magical um you coupling that fact with the fact that they issued them in 1907 and then they issued them again on the cusp of world war one uh, you know, 1913, 14, hmm. but those got discontinued. There's some really interesting um, comparisons on, on some of the backs. So it has a little bit of this T206 thing that, you know, other things that you would also get if you like the Tingle set from 1950, if you like the Koenig set with the backs from 1938. Um, you know, so I think that that adds another element to it uh, as well, but for me, just the beauty of them, the fact you've got some of the early greats of the game, Lord Kinnard, who, you know, really started with the organization of organized football. You've got Steve Bloomer, you know, you've got uh, Billy Meredith, you've got, so the checklist is, is really good with the early, the early British players. So that's probably the one, one of the ones that I most like, but I could have said seven different sets and given you real reasons why it all comes down to to personal preference like i yeah i don't collect a lot of sets for soccer but if i was gonna collect sets it would be like you know tatties and copes and koenigs and um uh, tingles 1950 tingles are you familiar with that set uh with that last one no the others yes okay so tingles is a really cool set issued for the 1950 world cup um and it's actually issued in sweden and it has it's great because it, you know, it has the, the Brazilian team that lost in the Maracanazo and the Uruguayan team who beat them in the final. Um, so it has, you know, the great uh, Schiaffino who played in Italy, great Uruguayan, great Gija, but it also has all the great Brazilians, uh, Barbosa, uh, Adamir, Jair. So you've got Zazinho. So you've got the great Brazilians, you've got the great Uruguayans. You also have many different 
other superstars in the set, like Tom Osada played for Spain, one of the best uh, Spanish strikers. Um, you've got uh, a unique subset where they actually produced the Team USA. Yeah. And yeah. Team USA has an irrelevant soccer history, but in 1950, they beat uh, England 1-0 and knocked Eng England effect effectively out of the group round. And there's a movie here. I'm, I'm sure most people wouldn't watch it, but it's called The Miracle on Grass, like such an amazing upset that a bunch of U.S. players beat England um, in the 1950 World Cup. And so that team is in there. Very hard to find cards. Um, there's also a San Paulo team, which was traveling through Sweden. And there's a Leonidas da Silva card, which is also uh -huh. pretty amazing as one of the you know key players from the 1930s and he's at the end of his career but that's a really interesting card as well so you know there's and then they have back variations different colors flamingo backs singles backs so those are fun that's a fun set to collect um no, as for well sure, so for sure again i i don't engage a lot in uh, in vintage but um, I, I i i follow you and uh, and other people and i love the the conic set i think looks um, looks quite amazing i also like i know i think the, those cards are um, quite beautiful i like some the bergerman for uh, for mm -hmm. muller beckenbauer i think those I, I like beautiful cards basically and uh, i also love the ping pong cards from brazil i think those yep. cards again not saying super rare but i i, I love the look of uh, of those type of cards and um, yeah i think your, your choice yeah, is and, also and, great and where you're saying hey the koenigs the the Bergmans and the ping pongs are all cards, right? They're yeah. they're they're not stickers. They're and and they're all beautiful for different reasons. Uh, Heiner Leia also. So you you have a tendency like on those four that you meant mentioned are the cardboard cards, which are, you know, in general there's not as many of those as as stickers. Um, no, for sure. So so, so I, I like all of those sets too. I mean that's the other thing sets are so diverse across all these countries it just that's why it's just so interesting to me to to collect soccer and, and, there, and there's something for everyone if you like to focus on cardboard well you could just focus on cards from all over the world and still that would be a full-time job right and there's so many like the koenigs the beautiful embossing and the colors it's amazing yeah <laughs> Right. No, yeah, uh, so, so, so cool. uh, even even the the first World Cup set from Panini, I think, um, is an interesting set. Uh, um, is historic for for a lot of reasons. I also like that that set quite uh, quite a lot. But I think your choice uh, is is amazing. Let's move and, on. And you know, I I think that all of those early World Cup sets and early probably cuts off to me in 1990 because the production is huge on all of those. Yeah. But almost all of them got stuck and so i actually have now full sets from 70 to 1990 uh of, of the stickers because you know i think that when the cost of grading comes down which it has to right psa's sure. just at least 150,000 square feet in new jersey i mean they're creating so much capacity that's going to come online that they're going to realize they just need throughput and so you know, if you could grade those stickers, I bet it could be a set registry thing and you could have people trying to grade that whole set. 
Um, yeah. And, and that's something that I'd like to do in, in, in time. And I, and, and I, there is something special about set collectors. There's a little known set from 1950 that was like the pre Panini set issued in Brazil. It's a Bales Futebol. Um, and it has all the teams from the 1950, including the US and the teams I just described for Tingles. And it's a Brazilian sticker set, which is just amazing, you know, as well. The problem is nobody really knows about those. Yeah, you never so see rare. them for sale. I think the, it's important to have bulk, uh, honestly, because of collectors, if you think about um, because uh, sometimes yeah. you have a car that is not worth a lot and Paying ten dollars uh, is what makes sense, basically. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think I think I, when I talk to Nat and 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 you know even to a certain extent, you know, Kevin, I think they understand that they have to have that bulk for set builders for the registry over time. Now, when you got ten million cards in your backlog or however many millions, obviously you can't do it. But yeah, I think that they understand that that's important. And I do think whether it's Pokemon or, you know, you know, soccer or baseball, there's enough people, set collectors out there um, that will, you know, I no, think. No, and uh, in DCGs and Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever, set collecting is a huge thing. Actually, quite, I, at least I believe, quite more big than uh, in sports. Um, it's different, basically, you know, because in sports, we like the best player or two, three rookies. But uh, in Pokemon, all Pokemons are, are important, basically, if you are a collector. So, yeah, you know, for sure. Um, on the question, question number three is probably one of the most difficult ones. Uh, I said, buy one, sell one, old one, Maradona, Pelé and Cruyff. I was a little bit surprised with your buy. You said Cruyff. Um, I, I'm going to... My perspective was probably you will say by Maradona because this this is my perspective at least by Maradona. I also agree with El Pelé and um, maybe old Cruyff. You end up changing instead of holding Maradona. No, instead of by Maradona, you are holding. Uh, explain me your thoughts on this front because I think it's actually interesting. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's tough, right? Because I I actually think that um, that the the only real reason why I would say by uh, Cruyff is because in the last three months, actually, I was just analyzing this. So many had come to market yeah, that, that had a sign <laughs> that, that, that it decreased prices significantly. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I think there was a rush of supply and, and that because of that, I think that, um, that, you know, you, you get some depression when so much supply hits the market. And frankly, you know, not a lot of people have, you know, two, three, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars for a sticker, right? Um, sure. So I think that you start to take people who want one out of the market. And I think that there's a little bit of a depression uh, right there. I could have easily, and I struggled with it because I think Maradona's in a similar case. I think you can find some really nice values um, out there. Bill and I did a, a state of the market, and I think you could find a really nice PSA two Maradona 77 disc for like $4,000 with really good eye appeal. Even a PSA one, I believe it was a PSA one at Goldin sold for a little bit over 2K, but the eye appealing was quite good. And it's crazy. Again, I talk about this a couple of times. 
and I understand why so many people go put Pelé at that um, that status that is clear that the best vintage player or at least the most collectible vintage player but I think there is a disconnection uh, between the the real soccer world versus the soccer card world because just my perspective but I actually know a lot of people agree with this uh, there is a, this debate is constant uh, Maradona or Pelé you, you can find arguments for uh, for both uh, but when it comes to cards uh, is night and day honestly um, yeah I mean so so I would definitely be you know when I, I you know Bill and I do this thing it's like hey would you rather be the buyer or the seller right of certain certain things that, that we um you know see it and and for me, you know, I would rather be the buyer of all those Maradona cards, right? But I'd also be like to be the buyer of the Cruyff cards. So if you didn't make me pick a hold, I would have had Maradona and and no, you know, no, Cruyff no. in the buy and Pele in the sell. Not because I think you should sell Pele. I'm not really selling, you know, Pele's, but just because of this disconnect yeah. of relative values where you're like, okay, you know, Maradona, you could easily make a case that he's number one all time. I mean, no, well, a lot of people make make that case because that's why I think it's so funny to see that um, in in this hobby, Pele is a clear uh, number one. And um, I mean, nothing against because I think Pele deserves also to be uh, the number one. Um, I just see some opportunity on on Maradona. Uh, if yeah, if, no, I think there, there's two things here. And remember, the U.S. is still a big part of the market and yeah. specifically what I'll call the money market, you know, where where if people are going to spend, you know, thousands of dollars, more than five thousand um, dollars, a lot of that money is coming from America and and they're contextualizing what they see in other sports and two massive things, which is hard for, you know, potentially you or other Europeans to understand is how big Pele was in the u.s because he played here yeah I know. he spent many years here and he was just as famous as any you know player because he was on all the advertisements he was on all the signs you know so he's he's culturally while he's brazilian he's culturally in america I right understand. so so i think that's one thing and you put put on it the thousand goals the three world cups they don't know the difference that he only played one game in 62. <laughs> yeah, that, you know? that, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, so they don't know, but they, you know, they it's the headline, right? So yeah. what do people, you know, think? And, and I think that 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 Maradona will never overcome it. I want to tell you a story, and I'm sorry if we go a little long, but I think this no, is no, important. No, no. It's important for Europeans specifically and other countries to understand how far soccer was behind so i'm playing soccer in 1986 i'm you know 15 years old and the world cup's going on and no world cup game is on television right so this is 1986 it's crazy <laughs> so so what we had to do as soccer fans is we had to have people tape the game in Tijuana, which was, you know, about 60 miles from my house, we would drive down to Tijuana, we'd get a VHS tape of the game in Spanish, and drive back up 
to to our house to watch a VHS of the 1986 World Cup. I mean, like that that's how hard you had to work if you were interested in the sport, right? No, that that's insane. <laughs> and so so you and there's no internet, nobody talks about soccer. And so, you know, why should you know about Maradona? Um, no, I understand that. And uh, you know, so oh, another thing that you, I'm not sure if you agree with that. I also believe the Peleli Fabologet being able in high grades creates almost a ladder effect that people see PSA 2 goes for this, PSA 3, PSA 4. And the, the, the Maradona market, especially the 77 disc, is always, not always, but most of the time, uh, what's, I don't even know what's the, the, the top grade for that uh, specific card um yeah there is there is an eight there's a few sevens but most of the you know the vast majority of them are in the the ones to threes yeah so um you know and and i think that and and the same thing the 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 78 crack is the same the top is a six yeah um you know you can go to the calciatore sticker whereas that 110 which is kind of dubious um and then there's some nines um but you're a couple of years removed from, you know, his earlier sticker, which is still a great sticker, classic line, you know, all like you like to say lineage, the Calciatore sticker. But, you know, I think that the, the Alpha Bola Gay wins the battle because it is his World Cup debut where he did exceedingly well, right? Yeah. So he, he really was, even though Didi wins the player of the tournament, he was the shock of the tournament and what made Brazil pretty close to coast to the world cup victory. And then in 1970, he did carry, carry Brazil, even though he barely made the team. That's something else that a lot of people don't know, but you know, I do think that um, because it's available throughout the spectrum and all the grades yeah, and the fact that it trades every month that feeds on itself, that liquidity really solidifies itself as, as the marquee no there is actually a term for that is a ladder effect keeps going keeps going and, and people understand the the logic on, on the prices and the, uh, if the, the maradona keeps eating on psa1 psa2 psa3 it tends to be a little bit more difficult to to see that ladder effect um, at least actually probably a, a very unpopular opinion but i believe the the sticker the, the first pioneer sticker for maradona have the biggest chance to 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 show that uh, ladder effect because it's, it's not that, mm -hmm. that easy to find that sticker in psa 9s uh, psa 8s and they, they don't co come to the market very frequently if, if you track those but they are out there so if in the future th those start uh, coming into the market even if it's not again the true rookie but again even the maradona you, you can make the same argument I'm not saying it will be the most expensive cards, but I can see that uh, ladder. Yeah, effect I can going. see that. So, so it's one of still the highest graded vintage cards, you know, yeah. right now stickers. So, so I think it's it's in the top five graded vintage stickers already, and I think there are actually, a lot of them. Actually, believe is number one. I actually believe is is the most graded sticker uh, in vintage. Yeah, it, it maybe I think the. 34 Stan Stanley Matthews has a couple hundred uh, as well. So, but regardless, whether it is right now or it's going to always be one of the top. Yeah. Um, and there's many, many, many more out there that haven't been graded. Now, granted, I think that those are going to be typically threes to sixes. Yeah, so I think sure. that you're right. I think 
you know, it's not, uh, let's put it this way back to the buy, you know, the, this is the buy sell hold, right? You know, if I see that sticker in high grade, like PSA seven and above, you know, I, I wouldn't let those things go cheaply because I think that sticker has a lot of, a lot of future in the long run. It, it's an iconic sticker from an iconic brand and you're, you, you will see it trade and you will see more come to the market. I've always said it's very frequently advantageous to have more supply so that things trade. And while it's nice to have diamond hands and collectors, you know, certain things are too rare for their own good. Yeah, the, the Stefano is a good example, right? Because his rook is so difficult to obtain, there is almost no market for a rook is the Stefano's. Uh, it's actually crazy to, to think about because the Stefano should also be on this conversation of one of the best ever. Uh, a lot of people still consider the biggest legend ever for uh, Real Madrid and uh, Real, Madrid, yeah. Real Madrid, the biggest club in the world. So, but uh, if you think about, we don't talk about this Stefan in the hobby that much. Co if you compare with Cruyff, Maradona, Pelé, but yeah, it's, it's, it's actually even Puskas. I know that there was a very strong sale uh, very recently, but even that that being, being so rare and being basically the the only rookie. I don't know. I always feel like uh, it's good, of course, uh, if, you, if you own that card. And I know, I believe you have a couple. But in the other end, for the market, uh, it should at least be one alternative that trades a little bit more often. Uh, I always yeah, I mean, th this first, this Puskas was the first one to trade since the boom, right? No, that, um, that, by the way, that, that card is, is beautiful. I mean, uh, it's, it's also one of my favorite cards in vintage. Uh, I, saw, I saw that card uh, on your uh, Instagram uh, at this point <laughs> years ago, and I always thought that that card was uh, amazing. I believe it, it was in your Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I have, like you say, I have a couple. Um, <laughs> I've always <laughs> thought that that, that that card was very important. Um, for the hobby and um and acquired it whenever i could find it but you know i couldn't find it that often right to, to to be honest so it's um and that's a perfect example just like the distefanos where they're they're too rare for their own good and that's that i mean i guess at least the market recognized the um the value because it went for like a hundred and twelve thousand dollars no, for sure. But but again, if there was an alternative a little bit more common, even if not even one year after that, I, I think it will help the market in general for for Puskas. But by the way, even even in pre-modern, we faced that problem. Think about Modric. Modric actually have a, a rookie sticker from Croatia. Yeah. But uh, again, more, people debate Modric, Gross, Iniesta, Xavi, and I still prefer Xavi and Iniesta, but I don't think Modric is, is that far away in terms of greatness. Modric ended up winning, what, four Champions League? But since his look is so and, difficult... Yeah, I, I really... Hey, if you find one, let me know, because I've been searching and I can't find one, right? And I didn't, <laughs> was he, wasn't even sure if that was real. No, that, um, that, uh, that is actually a, even a second year. Um, one of my viewers have two. Uh, not wow. the rookie, yeah. the, 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 the second, the second year. The second year, yeah. But the, the, those are insanely difficult. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, actually, in, 
Go on, go on. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Actually, if one comes into the market, we can face a similar scenario like the Puskas. Not as much, since I, I don't put Modric in that level, but probably a very strong sell for, for Modric if one of those... Because, again, I, I would love to own one. You probably would love to own one. And I feel that there is a lot of collectors waiting for, for that moment. But, again, if you think about, think about Xavi and Iniesta, they have the Mundi Chrome. Quite a common card to to find the stickers a little bit more difficult. Uh, even you you were, you were talking about um, you know Iniesta and and Xavi how how they you know have these different cards. So maybe you want to you know pick that up. Yeah, I was because if you look at the Xavi and Iniesta market, I think it's important for them to have the Mundi Chrome card, for example, because. Even if he's in good grades, demands a premium, but being a cheap alternative and creates automatic a rookie market for them. And look what's happening with Iniesta for, for the stickers, because people now understand, okay, uh, those are a little bit more rare. I put a premium on those, but everyone can still have a, a rookie for, for Iniesta, for Xavi. Xavi actually have multiple, multiple rookies, being the Monochrome and the Esther, probably the Esther sticker being probably the most common. But the, the Panini sticker for Xavi is actually quite. Uh, quite difficult uh, to find the cards the quite more difficult than the Mundi Chrome but that is I, I think is, is good for those players yeah that's I'm... that that's a healthy that's a, those are healthy alternatives because yeah. you know I think one of the things that that we struggle with in in vintage with certain issues and certain players is the a frustration factor you know I want a you know, Matthias Sindelar, you know, Greeling card, okay, which would be considered his first card. Um, you know, you could get the Koenig, you can get the Bulgarian sport, you know, you can get um, you know, a couple other things from the 1930s occasionally, but the Greeling like doesn't really show up. And if you want the first card, you know, you may have to wait you know, two years, five years, 10 years. And that's not for every collector. For me, like my Negro League set, my Negro League collection took 20 years of incredible patience, of overpaying when something rare came up that I wasn't going to see again, and just meticulous commitment. But yeah. most people don't collect that way, right? You know, I want... Okay. Uh, uh, Iniesta rookie, and so man, you can get a Mundi Chromo. Gosh, I think less than a like, like a seven just traded for two hundred dollars. Yeah, that's that. amazing. Yeah, right. And, so, so, and so go get it. Another thing that uh, related actually is still with the question Pele actually almost have the perfect market if you think about because because you have alternatives that are still again expensive but still affordable if you want the Pele rookie. And uh, you have the, the ones that are so difficult to, to obtain, like the American. Um, and again, I think that's also another plus for the Pelé market, because I'm not saying it's a perfect market, but feels like almost, because you have so many alternatives. A lot of people can engage into the, the Pelé market, and then you have two or three that we know are way more difficult to, to obtain. And of course, I grades no matter actually the, the Pelé will. Yeah, but, 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 but you're absolutely right. Because what happens is people, you can get in and you can feel a part of the market and a part of, 
collecting and then you can aspire yeah. to do other things within the market and the Puskas and De Stefano markets, you know, you're, you're, you're settling for something that's, exactly. that's so <laughs> far away from where you want to go and maybe where you want to go, you know, you're never going to be able to, 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 to go there for, for most normal collectors. And that can be, that can turn some people off to the hobby. Look, for example, I, I would love to have a Di Stefano rookie, but it's so difficult to obtain. Probably I need to pay a good amount of money, if, even if, if I try to obtain one. And I don't want to collect, uh, actually have later cards, but I would love to have uh, something more related with, with this rookie season, with at least something that I feel is still early. Because again, uh, even if it's one year after the, the, the original rookie, it will be amazing. But the, I, the, then I need to collect Real Madrid cards. I, I know that there is other releases in, in, uh, in Argentina, but uh, it's not, I don't know, does not feel the, the, the same thing. But the, the funny part is, if I could collect something with him uh, in, in Argentina, then I will be more okay to buy Real Madrid cards because I will try to, to collect the player. Um, I yeah. don't know. I think I think it's almost some uh, it's, it's psychology, almost because we, we start to engage uh, into the the player market, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, personally, for some of these bigger players, I have liked just collect the player because you know, you, in his case, you know, you start in Argentina, you ha he has a few cards, then he stops in Colombia um where there's one or two stickers which i don't own that allegedly exist and then he's off to to uh europe and so you get a lot of spanish stuff but you also get italian and and you know german and other stuff so you 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 kind of put together a very interesting array of global issues of an epic player and and yep. you know th that's why i like to do my player videos which not a lot of people watch but i think it's a good documentation of what's out there and then you can determine like if i was a real madrid fan i'm not but if i was then i'd be completely fine with De stefano and i'd pick it up in 1953 and you know run out his career to the early 60s and just collect that stuff uh, from I him I agree, but uh, I also think there is a lot of this mentality of having the rookie and you, you have the rookie, then you start building from there, you know what I'm trying to yeah. say? Uh, but, but even in Europe, because, you know, I felt like the rookie mentality is more American, yeah, is more American. Like, like if you talk to the early, like in pre-war, for instance, you know, you may have a, a Steve Bloomer rookie you know, 1900, you know, or 1902, depending on uh, which company you ask, Ogden's. And that'll be like the eighth most expensive Steve Bloomer card, right? People yeah. will trade the rookie all day long for a Taddy or a Copes or a, you know, Sinclair, because those are rarer, more attractive, more interesting, you know, issues. And that never, like, you can really feel, and that, that goes for almost all the UK issues, certainly pre-World War I, um, and even a, a lot of them pre-World War II. So, you know, there's this, there's this premium on scarcity, I appeal, um, and that, that, that exists 
over there. But, you know, I've always thought that most Europeans prefer, you know, the, that I appeals thing. I don't know when this rookie mentality kind of came over. Maybe it was just in the modern slash pre-modern, but vintage, I think most European collectors, the rookie was never really a big deal until maybe recently. Again, I just can talk from my experience. I love to collect rookies. Uh, maybe I, I'm getting a lot of influence by America, but um, I don't know. It's, for me, it's the more historic cards on that front. I kind of like it, but you are also correct. And maybe this, this could be a video alone that maybe we should start talk, talking about um, just not the rookie. I mean, there is so so much amazing cards for the Stefan that uh, even if you can't uh, find a rookie for him, there is so much good product with uh, Real Madrid that uh, why not? And he's still such an important player and the card automatic will be a historical card if, if you believe on uh, on his market. But uh, again, I agree with you on that. But uh, without any type of doubt, I have a lot of American influence on me at this point because I, rookies are the first thing I, I search when I try to, to look. For example, I don't have um, a Pelé rookie, but I'm telling you, I'm not buying any other card from Pelé until I buy a Pelé rookie. It's just that, that may, after that, I will buy a lot of different uh, years. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, hey guys, I know the, the conversation is good, but I have a couple of things to share before we continue with the podcast. Well, first of all, if you are watching this, I think uh, this video deserves a like. This was an, a great, great conversation. So don't forget the like, don't forget to subscribe. And apart from that, there is two things that I would love to share with you right now. First of all, I have a Patreon community where I share uh, two times a week exclusive content. Uh, I do a Q&A, for example, every Wednesday uh, in the last couple of months and end up answering more than 300 questions. So it's an amazing place to learn about the soccer card market. And I tend to say this, if you like my content on YouTube, there is a likely scenario you like my content there. And apart from that, you, you end up supporting my work. So uh, feel free to check the link on the description if you want to join my Patreon. But let's say you can't afford $10 and that's fine. One thing that is totally free is joining my Discord server. And, and, and another amazing place to learn about the soccer card market. We are more than 400 members and the community there is quite amazing. So both links will be below the video. Check both, leave a like, subscribe, all the good stuff. And let's continue with the conversation. But again, um, great, great answer on the, the buy one, sell one, old one. Um, and I think the, the general idea is you you see that they probably there is at least more room to grow uh, to to go with um, with Cruyff and Maradona. Since Pelé, not saying Pelé can still keep going because I think if the market keeps doing well, Pelé also will will see that effect. But uh, again, Maradona seems, but again, I will go to Maradona again, but I think, and the, your point by Cruyff is amazing because actually Cruyff, the Polyrex was so rare one year ago or two years ago, in the last couple of months, we see so, so much on uh, on Goldin, uh, PWCC, etc. that maybe some people are thinking that that seeker is, is common, which is not the case uh, at all. So, yeah, that, I mean, I, I so I would definitely, you know, I'm long soccer. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I need to calibrate, you know, my thoughts on a relative basis. 
you know, I'm not buying a lot of, you know, Pele, um, you know, right now. Um, I mean, I, I try to, as a collector, I try to fill the holes that I have. Um, and I've noticed a, again, it's, it's a very American thing. The higher grades just continue to do very well. Yeah. And these mid grades, these collector grades, I think there's a great opportunity to pick up a lot of these, you know, cards for what I would consider reasonable, uh, you know, prices. And, you know, Pele to me is like Muhammad Ali. You know, here in America, we tend to think Muhammad Ali was the greatest heavyweight ever. You know, if you if you really look at real true boxing ratings, you know, he's not even close to to probably oh, some, that, some of the one, better boxers ever. Just but, one thing. Just one thing. I'm sorry. I'm actually a big fan of more. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. I wish was yeah. his, his original name. For me, is the god of all the gods. Uh, actually, right. so, so, his and, history and, and, is just amazing. Right. What, so, so what a he lot did, of, you know, he's a huge part of American culture. You know, he he you know lights the flame at the Olympics. He wins in 1960 gold medal. His personality, right? So it goes beyond. And this is a point you make when you you know talk about Beckham cards. You know, if you just looked at the pure, you know, boxing. I don't think you put him as a top 10 boxer of all time, but if you put him as cultural relevant and the, the key name in boxing, he's always going to be at the top. And maybe another boxer that is nowhere near the top, Mike Tyson will also be there because of the American you know, culture. So in a similar way, we have Pele in the American psyche. And I just wanted to, for the people who aren't in America, that's my perception that they're fully ingrained in, you know, the American culture, whereas some other players like Cruyff, who actually played here as well. And, yeah. you know, I saw him play as a kid when he paid for the LA Aztecs, um, aren't as, as much ingrained. And certainly Maradona isn't. Now, if you're a Latin American who <laughs> grew up it? watching soccer, then I think Maradona is like at the top of the top because you saw him and you remembered him. Yeah. No, and uh, look, I grew up knowing that uh, Mike Tyson was the, the baddest man in the planet, uh, all these stories. <laughs> and uh, I actually ended up talking a similar topic uh, uh, in the last podcast. Uh, Ronaldinho is a good example. Ronaldinho, of course, ended up winning Ballon d'Or. But Ronaldinho is not only the Ballon d'Or. Was, he ended up changing football at one time that things ended up a little bit boring and Ronaldinho was... Such as, I mean, if you saw, you saw basically. Yeah, he was uh, magic, right? He, exactly. It was just something, the creativity and the, you know, like he, he was a magician with the ball. Um, yes. Look, stats are amazing. And I think when you, we start talking about the best ever, that makes a little bit more sense. But uh, some players are bigger than uh, than stats. And uh, Ronaldinho is, is a good example. Alan Shear for Premier League is a good example. And in vintage, for sure, there, there is also a lot of examples. Even again, Mike Tyson, if you look at his... Uh, profile it was good of course but uh, there, there is bigger uh, in terms of records way but mike tyson was a phenomenon i mean everyone yeah, knew the, mike the tyson way, <laughs> i remember we paid for a pay-per-view and we were like 18 seconds late to the fight and it was already over 
Yeah. And we lost like our fifty dollars. We're like, what? You know, no, no. because that was Mike Tyson. You know, Mike he could just go in and he could end it, and that was crazy. And Mike Tyson at, at uh, until he lost, he actually was having problems selling because of that, because people thought it was not even worth to, to pay for the, the, the pay-per-view. Um, so it's just, uh, it's just again, it's something that you need to experience. I, I did not experience Mike Tyson, to, to be fair, but my father tells me that he was basically the, <laughs> the, the, the baddest man in the planet and Muhammad Ali probably even in a, in a bigger scale if, if I had yeah. to... Yeah. And, and so, so, and that was my only point that I wanted to make is that you can be the biggest, like, I don't think I could ever imagine a time that in the U.S. Pele is not more important than Maradona from a collecting standpoint because of this cultural, you know, tie-in, um, which is, which is very much what Muhammad Ali has in boxing. Yeah. I don't, it's going to be. I, I can't see anyone usurping his hold on what it means to be the greatest of all time, right? In the culture, regardless of what statistics and analysis and historians say was more important. Like to me, Maradona putting Napoli on his shoulders in what's the best league of the 1980s, which you probably didn't, you know, you know, see a lot of this, but he took the, the worst team, a team on the edge of relegation to the best league, to win the best league with a bunch of people who had no business playing yeah, in the crazy. Serie A. And so he wins. And then he does the same thing with Argentina in 86. I mean, these are epic accomplishments. Um, and then the other thing, a point that I think either I or you have made at different points is, you know, he was the last man off the 78 team. So he was very close to winning to yeah. a World Cup there. And then they were in the finals in 1990. So he easily could have won three World Cups True. on subpar. Well, maybe not the 78 team wasn't sub subpar, but you know he really could have done the same thing that um, that Might Pele did. Just yeah, just like uh, R9, you know, was on the squad in '94. He gets the win, so you could equate that to the '62 win for Pele. You know, he was in the final in '98. Besides all that weirdness, where they lose to France. Yeah. You know, and then they do win in, in 2022. So R9, you know, was was one game away from, you know, having three World Cups too, So which a lot of people don't remember. Um, so anyway, I, I, we're, I don't even remember what we're talking about, but we're no, just fun we to need, talk about this stuff. We, we need to, to move on uh, or otherwise this will be super long. Question number four, and this is probably an easy one for you, and you can go a little bit more fast on this one. Um, actually, I will put two together because those are very related. Um, your um, three favorite Portuguese players to collect, I believe you said Paroteo, Eusebio, um, what was the... And Pepe. The, Pepe, the yeah, yeah. Um And um, I end up asking if, if you prefer Portugal or Argentina, uh, releases you said Argentina, but I thought it was a joke, but seems like it's not. No. But 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 the, the, let's start to actually with the last one. Um, because I, I remember you saying that you actually love Portuguese and the Argentina releases. Why you like so much those those two? Yeah, you know, I think the they're so different from anything else that you know exists. So you know, in the case of Argentina, you have all these interesting shapes, like intricate shapes, you know, and so you have triangles, you have pogs, you have, 
um, you know, shields, you know, you have photographic cards, you have, so the, the variety of the Argentina issues is insane. And then the checklist, the amount of players, you know, a lot of the great players from South America gravitated to uh, play in the Argentine league, you know, yeah. so you had, you know, great, you know, Paraguayans like Arsenio Rico. So the checklists are amazing. A lot of the early, um, um, you know, Argentines that would go play for Italy, you know, Combi, um, you know, Monti, um, Orsi. So the checklists are amazing. The variety of cards are amazing. There's photographic, there's, you know, really artistic. They're very, very unique uh, cards. And it's a small country like Portugal. So, and then you, Argentina's history has had a lot of, you know, dirty wars and, you know, difficult times. And in, in Portugal for much of the, you know, early history or early, early 20th century was one of the poorer countries in, in, in Europe. And you can feel that in the stickers, yeah. they're extra thin. They're trying to save money. They're hard, you know, they weren't made to survive. They were made to entertain for a short period of time. So when you touch them, you're like, I can't believe this survived. It, the, the texture of the paper, um, the art, the, the unique artisticness, like a lot of the Portuguese stickers will have the guys standing straight up full body, <laughs> you know, poses. And they're always like straight, like standing up like soldiers. Pe Pe Pele is, uh, not Pele, Eusebio Ruki uh, is, is like that. I mean, that, that is a couple, but uh, uh, yeah. one of the most famous is, is what is Portuguese, right? The, the one I'm thinking about, the 61. Yeah, 61, there's uh, Estrellas de Bola. Um, there's there's two, there, actually there's three other ones if you want to include the little uh, portrait, but I don't really uh, you know, consider that one, but yeah, he's standing straight up, you know, like a soldier. Um, so, so I think, you know, I, when you touch them, you know, they feel old, they, they have a different, you know, texture. You wonder how this survived this very fragile, you know, piece survived all these years. And, you know, I think on the edge, Argentina, just because of the breadth, of um of players you know to me Osebio's one of the most important players i just love collecting him i love his his stories youth from mozambique you know coming there how you know the dictator wouldn't let him leave um yeah. <laughs> benfica that's also kind of weird you know how close they got in 66 and how england had to change the side of the game you know move move the game at the last minute make them spend all this time on a bus to get the advantage you know i feel like that's so unfair i don't know oh one thing i know Pe pele says because i saw this comment on on this card a, a couple of days ago that pele says this stefan was the best player uh, he, he played against but actually when i was a kid um I remember an interview of Pelé uh, in the in the Portuguese news, which was quite crazy at the time. They, they ended up interviewing Pelé and um, and Eusebio, and Pelé said Eusebio was the best player he ever uh, played uh, against. So Pelé, to be fair, contradicts himself a little bit on that. But um, <laughs> I actually never forget that that he said Pelé was the the best player. I'm sorry, Eusebio said Eusebio. Yeah, um, I mean, I think from you know i like to read like history and 
it feels to me like he was, you know, like an R9. I can imagine, you know, like just that explosive speed and the ability to, to, you know, shift the weight and, and make a defender look foolish, but yeah. with just oh, a tenacity and a shot that was, you know, accurate and just incredibly forceful. And, and he could, he was a personality that could take over a game and, you know, just with, with such desire to win and do whatever it takes to, like, that's what I feel like Eusebio. And that's like, I feel like I would want to be as a player, right? Well, I actually, uh, there is a, a player now, right now that uh, I believe is similar, is Mbappé. I think Mbappé and Eusebio, of course, completely different eras, but this style uh, explosive, I think is actually quite um, quite similar. So it's interesting to, to see that comparison because people also compare Mbappé and Ronald. So you are correct on that front because those three actually believe are... Uh, are quite uh, are quite similar and the, the history, look um, a lot of collectors not not collectors I'm sorry a lot of fans of of uh, football in, in Portugal they still put uh, Eusebio ahead of um, ahead of Cristiano Ronaldo even if I don't agree because his stats for Cristiano Ronaldo are so insane but some people that that still remember uh, saw saw Eusebio play that they, they say no Pelé I'm sorry I'm saying Pelé for some reason Eusebio was was the best by by a large margin in, in terms of talent and maybe I mean <laughs> yeah I mean I, we, I mean the reality is we won't know but what we do know is that he was super important and I I find him completely undervalued relative to some of the other greats now unfortunately here like you say you know those portuguese rookie stickers are are really hard um but but at least the the panini at least he has a 63 panini yeah. right which and, and quite so often. and and i love that sticker it's an iconic set iconic you know so and it has the nameplate variation, the yellow, you know, which is, makes an added level of difficulty if you want to. But also, go think, out about, there. think about that. Imagine if if uh, Eusebio did not have that Panini sticker, his market probably will be even weaker. You know what I'm trying to say? That that sticker is actually important for for the Eusebio market, even if you know that is. Uh, early stuff that is quite more rare but that sticker is important it is a good entry point for uh, people that that want something and the sticker is beautiful um so there 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 is that also i i that again goes to to the other question that some I actually believe that there is two things. Sometimes he's being too common other times he's being too rare because going a little bit to pre-modern uh, Tony Cross for example Ever those those specific cards, but some people never collect those cards. So it's, it's too common to is is also the opposite as versus the Modric. Modric is too rare, Cross uh, is too common, and that's also quite bad because if there is no type of rarity or if there is a very niche product like Delcefe, the market becomes very difficult for um, for those players. At, at least um, I yeah. feel that. Yeah, you know, and I think like like. Um... Let me give you another example. Like, you know, I think like Buffon, you know, th that Calciatore sticker to me just feels like it's going to end up being really common. Um, and, you know, you, you wish there was some, something else that was a little, a, a little rare. So you'd have this kind of Iniesta and Javi situation where you can, 
where you can say, all right, I can get this one now and I can aspire to find the stickers or, you know, something, but I mean, it's not a perfect hobby, right? I mean, and, and that also kind of makes it fun and trying to figure these things out. Cause where do you go to get that knowledge, right? You have to have experience time in the market. Yeah, but I'll, but one thing that at least Buffon have in my perspective is that seeker is quite common. I mean, panic calciator seekers are, are some of the the easiest things Most to acquire. Yeah. But at least there is some condition rarity on that. PSA tens, PSA nines are not not easy. The problem with crows is people hate. I I don't hate, but I know a lot of people don't like those calcifiers. So makes automatic there is no rookie for it. Uh, look, a good example is Benzema, because Benzema have a WCCF card, but people prefer the, the sticker, the, the Panini Foot, I believe, 07, uh, which represents yep. the 2006 season. And I think that's good, um, because imagine if you only have that uh, that WCCF card for Benzema. Benzema market is not super strong, but will be even weaker without the, the Panini Foot. And people relate with Panini Foot because they know the Zidane Rook is Panini Foot, the... the Drogba, Henri, all of those are Panini foods, or at least people understand the lineage on, on the set. And I think that's important. Same, look, uh, I understand what you are saying, but Panini Calciatore is an important brand. Even if I'm a fan of some, some cards, let's be real, some people don't care about, and it's, it's not the type of product as you see, like an investment. I, I know you are talking about collecting, but people in the end, they, they want to, to know that if one day they sell, at least they, they, they will, uh, oh, there is a scenario that they can make um, investing in, in, in that card, so. Yeah, but I mean, look at, I think, what is a, I mean, and we, we don't need to get super bogged down here, but what is a Kroos WC, uh, uh, WCCF card cost? $30? Yeah. Or $20? Or, I, Around I that, $20. It depends on the condition, yes, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, okay. I mean, again, and this is where I'm a, I'm a collector, but even as an investor, if I'm long soccer and you think he's underappreciated and it through time, he will get more appreciated, you know, I, how wrong can you go for $20 for one of the greats of the game? Even if you don't love, it's like we were talking about the Eusebio. I don't love the caricature, little tiny 61, 62 Eusebio. Yeah, I don't know if you're picturing it in your mind. I don't love it. I have that card. I'll, I'll pick them up. But it's the, the big one, right? The... Yeah, it's, it's, it was on a matchbook, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, if you if you're long soccer and people aren't going to be able to get those other 61, 62s and they like, you know, they're rookie collectors. Yeah. Well, that's going to be an option for them. And it's and it, you know, we'll check a box for some collectors not all because you know it's also either too small if you cut it one way or too long and the slab is oversized so a lot of people don't like those but i think the same thing for for that it's like at some point don't you some part of the market not all will say okay you know that's what's out there so that's what i'm gonna collect don't you no. think no, I agree. And I mean, and those those uh, rookies for for Eusebio, they, they have been performing well because I actually have been tracking those. I, I agree with you. I don't like that that uh, card sticker. I don't even know how, how should I call that that much. It's a match. I, yeah. Match. 
I no. actually like the Panini uh, sticker quite more. If, if I had to pick one, uh, that is a little bit more common. But I, I totally uh, agree with you. Um, the, the, the difference between those, the, I say those, if you say it in a different way, but it's just the same people don't like the stats on front because it's like a, almost a, a card game. It's, it's just, it's just a, a little bit weird. For example, if, if uh, Tony Cross had a, a top sticker or a Panini sticker from Bundesliga, even if those will also be very common, I think makes his market stronger. Uh, yeah. Lineage is yeah, important. I think, I think it's a really interesting discussion about how some of the lack of ideal card at rookie card affects the general player market. Cause that's really, we gave cases of Puskas to Stefano, uh, Eusebio, um, you know, even Bensamon and Crusoe across time. That's a challenge in the market. No, in the, even the Maradona uh, Pog, uh, I understand these historical cards for Maradona, but you see online people saying that they don't like the Pog, they, they, but they love the Alif uh, uh, quite, quite more because they relate more with that. Uh, again, it, this is so relative, it's so difficult to, to understand what collectors like or don't like, and the market changes all the time. So what, what we are saying right now, 10 years from now, five years from maybe it's totally different and people uh, like different things uh, um, at that time so because the yeah, only you know hey, the, the one last thing i'd say on this point is that it also you know coming in especially as a new soccer collector like if you don't have an open mind it's really hard to to change your perception because you're a product of how you collected and what was important as you, as you collected, which is why you see Americans gravitating to high grades, cardboard, right? It takes a long time to even get comfortable with stickers. Then it takes a long time to get comfortable. Like for me, the POG 77, uh, you know, Maradona is the history of Argentine collecting. But for a lot of people, they wouldn't know because they haven't studied all of the issues yeah. in Argentina through time. And to me, that makes it more special using an Argentine collector lens. No, um, I, I agree. And, and actually, that, that card, they've been growing in me quite, quite a lot. I, I did not like it at the beginning, but I mean, it's unique if you think about it. Uh, <laughs> even if you just want to, to collect uh, that specific card, is, is a card that you say, oh, look, the Maradona hook is so different than the others. I think that there is something beautiful uh, in that, actually. But um, it's not for everybody, you know, it's not for yeah. everybody. I, I, for me, have, as I've gone through the process, have learned to really look at things in the context of the countries where they were issued. And that has helped me not only, you know, really enjoy it, but be incredibly flexible in, in, in how I collect, not trying to put an American mentality on everything. Because that yeah. usually doesn't work, whether it's, card collecting or politics or you know whatever right no i i 100 agree with you um but uh, to finish this actually you said that you like uh, eusebio eusebio I, I guess we don't need to talk a lot because eusebio is eusebio but uh, what about pyroteo because he's a player that people don't talk a lot but if you look at his numbers I mean, they are insane. <laughs> insane, <laughs> but right. people don't uh, don't talk about him, right? Well, so so when I start to research, you know, players and read about them, you know, he was just one of those guys that just was like, 
this guy was absolutely insane. Like, and, and I think I've posted a couple of times on different on, on the vintage one for sure, but I don't know if I posted on yours, you know, th there was an article somebody wrote about being the most prolific goal story you've never heard of. Yeah. Um, and, and he was just, he was absolutely crazy, you know, goal scorer in the same way that, that Pepe was. And then Pepe had, you know, a really tragic accident where, you know, most people think that his mother accidentally poisoned him and he, you know, got food poisoning and unfortunately passed away at a very, you know, young age, but he was also a prolific goal scorer and, and a force in the 1928 Olympics and really had an amazing future ahead of him and is still very re revered uh, in, in Belenese, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I just, when I read these stories, you kind of connect with people. That's what I generally do through my collecting, you know, but I think about the yeah, lives but, that these players had. And, but and it's, so it's, it's funny that even in Portugal, uh, when, when you, we talk about the greatness, uh, what's the best Portuguese player, it was having Cristiano Ronaldo, automatic, uh, but Pyrotune does, I mean, some people, at least uh, more uh, people that have more experience that have been watching soccer for football for, for a long time, they, they, they talk about him. But uh, this new gener generation, they don't even know uh, Pyrotune, which is crazy because I also love the history of soccer. And when I, when I search Pyrotune stats and stuff like that, it's insane what, what that man did. Same. Um, there is other examples, actually. Even Coluna, for example, does not have the numbers, but such an important player for that Benfica team. Um, and Eusebio is not, not Eusebio without Coluna, right? And, yeah, and, actually, I could be wrong. I believe Coluna have two Champions League, but Eusebio only, only have one, because I believe Coluna was already part of, of, of the team. I'm not totally sure, but I... Yeah, I, yeah I, I think you may be right. And he started, I mean, his career started 55, 56, so he was there you know, five or six years before uh, Eusebio was there, but, yeah. but he, so he was great on his own and a great leader, but him and Eusebio together were really just magic, right? Um, like the Scotty Pippen to Michael Jordan type um, situation. And I don't think, like, I would have probably put him as probably fifth. I put, would have put Cristiano Ronaldo on there and then I would have put Coluna, but do you know anybody that collects Coluna? I mean, like, no, in, you know, in, almost in, in nobody, Portugal, right? I, in Portugal, I actually know some some people that, that they collect all the the Portuguese greats, uh, Coluna, Paul Futre, uh, but yeah, I was. In, in a general way, Aguas in, in a general in a general way is very difficult to find love for for those players. But I actually, saw you, I believe, yesterday doing the the, the your show with with Bill. And you said that uh, if you, if you, I believe you said if, if I'm starting right now, I probably look at players that other people are not looking. I think Coluna probably a, a very good example of a player that just needs some love at one point in time, and, and these cards can can gain a lot of, of track. And again, such they such, should. I mean, he, yeah. he is super important, you know, player. Just because he's not on, you know. A lot of people start when they start collecting, especially if they don't know a lot about it, just using these lists. Oh, yeah, the FIFA <laughs> top 100, right? So they they start with these lists. Oh, the top, you know, and if you start to dig a layer or two underneath, you clearly find that those lists are incomplete. Right? And, 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 and a lot of time they, they, they put strikers on those lists. Uh, 
of course we know Eusebio, Stefan, Puskas, and Epsco, but foot football is, is more than that. So and those yeah. sometimes don't tell you that. that that's why it's so deep. Coluna probably will never be on, on one of those lists, but Coluna was as as important as Eusebio for 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 Benfica, and Benfica appreciates Coluna quite a lot. That there is a lot of um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm missing the word, but. Um, is not uh, awards, but they 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 talk about Coluna quite quite a lot when there is a big event and stuff like that. Of course, look, Pele is the king. There is no doubt about that. If you go to to study the lose, you have a big statue of of Pele, and um, Pele is Pele and Cristiano Ronaldo. For Portuguese people, are, are different level, but uh, but again, Coluna. Is is an amazing example that a player that should get a little bit more more love uh, in the hobby. So yeah, and then I you know the five violins which are not you know very well you know known. I have you know you know Korea. I have you know I collect all those guys. So my Portuguese list is a, probably about you know fifteen <clears throat> or so different players, maybe even more because I go you know into pre modern with you know Figo, um, you know. So you know I. I I like collecting the the Portuguese stuff, but it's really magical for me. The, the stuff from, from like from the 1975 yeah. and back is just magical. Look, I, I will say it. I don't think pre-modern in, in uh, Portuguese release are not uh, pre-modern are not that special. I actually agree with you on that. But the vintage are actually quite uh, quite quite beautiful. So. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. Uh, and the, the next one is the question number six. You said that the best quality for vintage is true heritage. And I actually agree uh, with you on that front, especially if you compare with pre-modern where condition heritage tends to be, there is exceptions, but tends to be the only thing uh, that we should focus. But certain cards in uh, in vintage, they are so difficult to find. I think to get it, it depends how we want to, to define. If to get it is pop two at best, pop three, maybe there is there, there is not a lot of that in soccer. But if to get it is, for example, pop 20 in the, in the next five years, I, I believe there is a couple of cards that will uh, be fit that, that that role. Can can you can you share your, your perspective on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, and again, this is a double-edged sword because you don't want things to be so rare that you that they never trade, you can't find them, and it discourages collectors. Um, but, you know, I think there's, I mean, we talked about the, like, you know, Puskas, I'd be shocked if that pop, which right now I think is 12, went above 30 ever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, same thing with some of the Di Stefano cards, I'd, I'd be shocked if they went above 10. Um, you know, some of the ultra rare early English issues like Circus Girl, like Geo Smith, I'd be shocked if one over five. Um, you know, really there's there's just that rare, you know, 1800s cards that just didn't survive 120 years and two, you know, world wars with bombing, you know, all over the country. So, you know, I think that there's, that's that that can be good but in general I, I i in general i think it's good because there's enough other issues that aren't that rare that nobody can get you know that, that you can typically get something of most players uh even if it's not the exact rookie there's like a stand-in rookie like puskas we talked about the, the 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 rookie but then you've got the 54 a b and c which you know you can get you can find that card um so you should 
you could pick that up and feel, you know, pretty good about it. That is, you know, one of the earlier available cards. Um, so, you know, I think that, that it's, the rarity is helpful, but it also can hurt. And, and, you know, I think that what I've seen in the market lately is that that rarity has been getting the values, whereas some other things where it's just condition rarity, they've been softer. Um, and those true rarity items continue to perform well and actually hit new records, uh, especially in, in the, the vintage pre-war area where, you know, cards that were, you know, a few hundred, you know, dollars, you know, a year ago, after the boom started, now are thousands of dollars and with a lot more competitors uh, when they come up because people are really realizing that they're that they're really you know hard to get and they may not see another one for four years um oh so actually let, let me just say one thing i actually saw an interview recently of Prostein, and he said one thing that i thought was quite interesting that if you look at the market and he was talking about even the the vintage market there's almost two markets an investor market that he said you need to go for the the top grade there is nowhere on that we are seeing that top grades are performing insanely really well. well and there is the other market that there is the collector's market uh, you end up sharing a couple of examples in vint in in baseball vintage which i i don't know a lot but he said uh, he said that certain cars are so easy to find in uh, psa2 psa3 psa4 and still amazing cards to collect but if you try to find the psa8 for a, a specific baseball player in it is crazy crazy expensive and he said that he believes that we'll end up seeing more of that that, that there will be two markets the, the collectors market and not saying the collector's market cannot have an, an appreciation because if there is more demand if there is more people entering vintage for sure even those cars can, can appreciate quite a lot but i also agree with with prov Provcine on that front because uh, not Provcine is rick but um that there is also there is almost two markets right now and look at the the, the pelea i've been actually following delhi for bologet the top grades are insane but psa1 psa2 they still feel they are performing i would say even soft at this yeah they point. haven't changed i mean bill, yeah. bill just mentioned like he said he bought a psa one for eighteen thousand last year and he sold it for eighteen thousand this year <laughs> well you could have bought the psa9 that rally bought for three hundred thousand the month before bill bought his for eighteen thousand and that three hundred thousand sold for 1.3 million look, look, and that's look. a perfect example and, and i think that there's that bifurcation of the market to the high-end investor elite buyer and fractionals importantly which actually perversely make more money when they overpay for something and the collector market which has more supply still highly valued cards but it doesn't have the momentum so what i've what we really need is we need a lot more soccer collectors for this market to do well. And they usually start through modern, you know, and then they go back to pre-modern and some percentage ultimately drift back into, you know, uh, you know, vintage. So we, but we need a lot, which we'll see in this world cup, how many people start with the sticker albums, right? Kids, they start with the sticker albums and then they ultimately get more interested in going back to some pre-modern and then from there some percentage will go back into vintage and those collectors will pick up 
will be fine picking up a PSA two, three, four of a card um, and be happy with it. Because honestly, Andre, I've held PSA eight. Like, like let me take my uh, Alif Alifas. I think I have four, you know, uh, uh, Alifas. So, you know, I look at a four, you know, a SGC four versus my eight and a half. My eight and a half is a real good eight and a half, but I look at it and I'm like, does this one give me, you know, 40 times more pleasure to look at? No. No. It's, it's a, it's just a, a market, you know, ego. Well, this is one of the highest graded, um, you know, and that doesn't really do it for me. It's more like, do I enjoy the card? I mean, and then I wonder, oh, that kid, he's scared to death. He's on the field what a beautiful blue uniform. Wow. He's on the state. You know, I look at the card and yeah, if there's a crease going through his face, I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> but in general, if it has general good eye appeal, that's what I go for. And I think most collectors are like me. So if we have more collectors come in, that's what we need to, to bottom, you know, to, to, to help the base of the entire soccer market. And I'm hopeful that we'll see that over the next four and a half years with two world cups, one of them being in America. No, and again, not not my market, uh, the ultra modern market, especially when you look sometimes at uh, PSA 10 versus PSA 9, they, they look exactly the same, but we see 10X and Orai is not even capable to, to that, that's when things get a little bit scary because we think, I mean, come on, this is just uh, so crazy to see people putting so much trust in other person that end up grading the, the cards for you that sometimes is in the hobby for less time than me and you. So if you think about that type of stuff, I, and, and I, I talk about this, maybe we are facing some type of grading mania right now and we'll look back 10 years from now and we'll say at that time, look how much people paid for a, for a better grade that right now with more technology needs to be regraded basically. So there is always that or not now, or again, predicting the future is impossible or things can keep going this yeah, way. Yeah, but I, I, tend to, I tend to think <clears throat> if... Like, let's use one of the ridiculous examples that we saw, which you, you pointed out, right? The 2006 World Cup Messi's and Ronaldo's and the factor of the 10, you know, 15 times. You know, I'm pretty Great, confident that crazy. if you bought, you know, if you bought 10, let's just say it's 10 times. If you bought 10 nines and you bought one 10 and we have AI grading 10 years from now and you resubmit your 10 nines and your one 10, I think there's much more probability you get a 10 out of those nines you had then, and then imagine if that 10 turns into a nine. I mean, to me, the math, the risk reward. Oh, and, just, and the, it's so and hard the, for me to pay these PSA 10 premiums. But again, I'm not primarily doing this as a, I think it's a risky investment, but I'm not doing it as an investor. But for these people that are, you know, I think it's good for a short-term window but if you're looking 10 years out, I think you're taking a tremendous amount of risk. I agree. Like, you know, paying these premiums for 10s. And, and think about it. A 10 can only go down. There is no, no up for, for, for that. And um, again, that, that example of the 2006 uh, Panini World Cup cards, 
actually if you bought uh, PSA9s you did uh, you did much better than uh, than the the PSA10s because i believe it was 15x uh, and right now is is 7x which is still crazy but uh, but but you get the point uh, yeah. is is down quite uh, quite quite a lot and uh, again not not my market uh, and even less your, your market but when when it comes to to ultra modern uh, if, if you don't count numbered cards, of course, I believe grading tries to make things that are not rare, rare. And that's a tricky thing because, I mean, I see people saying, look, the PSA 10 is, is 10K pop, the PSA 9 is 20K. For me, is whatever. Buy the PSA 7 because that card is not rare. Who cares? And uh, again, different conversation for, uh, for another day, to be fair. But I honestly believe people tr rely a lot on PSA, as you see, to make things that are not rare, condition rarity. But I, I don't think that, that they can even accomplish that uh, a lot of times. So. Yeah, which, which is why, you know, one of the reasons why I like rare unique pieces in vintage because there is that true rarity and even if they don't come up all the time you know when they do all you need is a few people to recognize it um so so like that puskas i i was hoping that not a lot of people would be that interested in it and it would go for you know forty thousand. um unfortunately which still is a huge number right but yeah. but i was willing to bet on you know buy that card for forty thousand um before the auction starts and then boom a couple of people say hey i really want that um but but that, that that's your fault because you've been talking about that card i, I believe you're not educating the market so you maybe <laughs> maybe it's my fault <laughs> <laughs> because for example I, I i became more aware of that card because of you because i actually remember you sh even sharing that on, on my discord and i always thought this is a beautiful card and, and like me more people saw that and Again, sometimes we talk about things that end up going up that we, we still try to, to, to have yeah, a Yeah, we're still trying to get. I mean, it <laughs> happens to me all the time. I talk about things and, and I'm like, oh man, I probably shouldn't have talked about things until I actually bought you know another one. But I think it's good. I think we, we, we're doing a service for the, and I know you take a lot of shit. I take a lot of shit about um, you know, saying things and like, oh, you're trying to, I'm not trying to promote anything. I, I, I could burn my entire collection and my life would be exactly the same. I'm not trying to make, you know, any money on my collection. I'm thinking about how I could donate it more than I'm thinking about how I could make any money off it. But I'm trying to get information out there about the hobby. And I know people are in a different situation. So I also don't want people to get burned and hate the hobby because then they'll leave, they'll leave it. And I think it's fun. I mean, I've super enjoyed the hobby and I'm trying to give back because it was really hard for me to get this information and to, and it's only because, you know, all the time that I spent in and with all the collectors who were super helpful to me in little pieces that I think we can package the information a little better and get information out there. So, you know, I, I, I you know, this is again, another aside, but, but I think it's important that we continue to do, you know, what we're doing because, you know, there's not a lot of content out there about, you know, soccer cards, right? And, and the, the, the market, it is such a difficult category, it can be intimidating to people. I mean, I think people like when you talk about cards they own and that they, they, they don't like that much. If, if you talk against cards, they they also own, you know what I'm trying to say? So it's difficult to to make content uh, because of that. But in the end, it is. You know, I mean, like I, when I, I don't know if you saw, I did a predictions video at the beginning of the year. And I saw, I saw. Yes. Yeah, so, so one, I, I, I talked about how, you know, I thought 
And look at, I don't like it. I've got a couple PSA nine messy 71 bisses. I've got, you know, all his, you know, rookies. I'm, I'm heavily levered to, to messy, but I just didn't see the, a good backdrop for messy for this year. And I caught a lot of hate, for, hate for that. Right. Like DM's like, Oh, why you hate, you know, messy. And I'm like, but see, you know, I, come on. I, I don't get that. For example, I end up disagreeing with with your perspective on that, but you explain very well why why you believe that. I mean, and in the end, we don't know for sure that that, yeah, that, we, that can be a crazy influx of people, and who knows, uh, you know. Exactly, they could go. You know, I mean, it's fine, right? So, but it's just an opinion. But then you get you get all sorts of like inbound stuff. Is like ah, be, and of course, it's people that own those you know, <laughs> items, and they don't want you. You know, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not saying that's what. If I knew it was going to happen, I wouldn't still have a job. I would, you know, I'd be playing the market and I'd be done in two days and I'd be retired. Right. So, so nobody, nobody knows it's going to happen. I'm just, these are some things that I see that may happen that may not. And that's why it's a prediction, but, we, but we catch a lot of crap, you know, because, you know, it's hard to say anything without it being construed as an opinion. I mean, I, I think as long uh, you explain, I explain what we believe. Look, in the end, everyone should do their own research. I mean, if you disagree with me, I'm I'm wrong so many times that is not even funny at this point. So, uh, if you disagree with me, there is a very likely scenario you you are correct and I'm wrong. But in the end, uh, I'm just sharing something that that I believe at the time that tomorrow could, could be different that that's and that's the, the other the thing right tomorrow tomorrow it can change it's like the entry points it's like okay you know if you know i haven't been buying messy for the last you know three months but you know if this continues i'm going to be looking at, at buying messy and i and i am bidding on a bunch of damien's cards that he has in golden right oh uh, just one thing do you know that the the most expensive messy is is already the the messy gold prison 2014 yeah, I can't believe that. Is <laughs> is more know, expensive like, than than the top uh, Mega Cracks PSA ten? I believe yeah, it's, so, it's it's two seventy one uh, with buyer's premium, so something like that. Oh yeah, but, I thought but, it but was. This, I, I thought I saw it like hitting three hundred or something, but it's going to probably right. Um, oh yeah, two seventy one bid plus the twenty percent, so it's like three twenty five. It's something like that, but uh, I saw that is already the 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 most expensive uh, Lionel Messi cards ever and the gold in made a video that honestly i was not not a big fan because at, at the end they said can i put a 1.5 million bid i'm not sure if they, they are trying to say that card goes to to that price which i, I personally don't 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 understand yes sure it's a very is incredible rare card is out of tense automatic there is true rarity or manufacture rarity whatever people want to call it but Basically, it's only that. I mean, when I compare with the Messi Seven Bs, is so especially in a PSA ten, it's still pop twenty, and I believe it's pop twenty for more than one year at this point. So, again, yeah, I, a, I, other conversation for another. Day. Yeah, I know, but I, I mean, that's one where you're like, I absolutely the seller of the of the of the you know gold prism, and I'm absolutely a buyer of a PSA ten Messi, right? So, I mean, to me, that's just so absolutely crystal clear. But that just goes to show you there's different people who value different things. And, and that's okay in a market as well. And, and, and not just saying, well, this makes no sense. It doesn't make a ton of sense the way I process things, but I need to understand how other people process them because 
the golden rule of, of investing in anything is, you know, if you're a collector, buy what you like. If you're an investor, buy what other people like. Exactly. And, and the best case is buying what other people are going to like in the future, even if you don't like it. That's where you really make money. No, you, <laughs> I, I agree 100% what you said there. But look, that, that card actually, and I, I, I do not want to believe in that, but I saw people talking and even Goldin ended up hinting that that could be the most expensive soccer card, eating that could, could surpass the, the Pelé sale, which again, I don't think it will, but who knows? I mean, things are so crazy. He's, he's actually the, the lot number one uh, at Goldin. And they've been promoting the, the cards like crazy. And there isn't even another thing. There is, a, there is, I believe, a gold out of five. So if that card is selling for that, imagine the out of five vinyl gold. And there is a one of one. <laughs> so is that card, what, five million? Then it's, I, I, don't, I don't get it that, that yeah, much. Yeah, for, but... for, 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 you know, a 10th year card. And he's messy right. with, with Argentina. The, the story yeah. with Argentina is not even that special. I... It's terrible. I mean, let, let's not even <laughs> say it's not special. It's terrible. I mean, I was, I was at the, the, the um, Copa America where they're in the penalties with Chile where he missed one. I mean, and he just and he wants to take the shirt off and never put it on again, right? Yeah, they, they recently won, but it's a disastrous history yeah right? it, it still feel, feels weird because eh, we'll end up winning the copa america but let's be real argentina needs world cup not not copa america not saying it's irrelevant but that card again i i, uh, I even agree that 2014 prism is is an iconic is a potential iconic set in the future since it was the first big american set i understand that perfectly i think those cards should of course demand some type of premium it's just how crazy those those numbered cards can can get and um, uh, probably and a very awesome popular opinion but i believe auctions houses auction houses play a, a big role on this the way they promote certain stuff the way they say uh, certain things actually i will share one thing they said that card is the the gold is the is similar to the pmg green uh, kobe bryan I got uh, some mate because of the panini travel situation, but at, at least those cards are very similar in terms of look. And I explain very well. Goldin comes and says the prison 2014 is the, the PMG of soccer and people go with that. And that card is already doing crazy stuff. So again, it is what it is. Uh, to finish my thought on this, I think people focus too much on content creators and not saying those, we have a role on the market, of course. But, and I have this opinion for a long time, the, the, the narratives that they are created by PLCC, Goldin, etc. Because again, if a Messi second year sells for a lot of money on Goldin, automatically the, the, the increase on prices for that particular card will be insane in, in the next day or a couple of hours after that. And um, that, that, I can guarantee one thing, that the, the prison 2014 set will become way more expensive, especially colored stuff, numbered stuff for, for Lionel Messi after that sale, because it just makes too, too much sense to people assume that, okay, I may cannot afford the out of 10, but maybe I can afford out of 50, out of 99, etc. So. Yeah, so I, so I, I mean, and who knows, right? What I think is you'll see that effect, and then over time, that'll start to you know drift back down because there's no fundamental reason. Yeah. Why, right? Yeah. I um, mean, it's reality. Even if you don't agree, of course, it's out of ten. 
is rare, but 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 the thing is, but, but all, all the numbered cards, if you add up all the numbered cards, there is a lot. <laughs> it's gonna be like 700, right? There's you know, 700. That's that's more than the pops of the mega cracks, you know. No, it's, it's crazy. And, and I, I've been thinking a lot actually a lot about that card for one reason. If I try to buy a Pele a leaf, I need to put 20k to buy a PSA one, maybe a little bit less, a little bit more. Let's say 20k. If I try to buy that that messy, uh, the the gold one, the gold one I can't afford, especially if it goes for for those amounts of money. But I can buy a base card that is exactly the same photo for fifty dollars. So you understand what I'm trying to say? It's, it's so difficult to look at that card and look at the the, the Pelé in the same level because the Pelé, the entry point is huge. Twenty k is a lot of money. Um, but the other one, if you can find for uh, for so cheap, and even a card out of one ninety nine, I believe is around five hundred dollars one k, which still a lot of money. But but again, you, you can enter that even that numbered market for so little, and that's not the reality for for Pele or, or even for for the disc of, of Maradona, etc. So those cards for me are quite more more specially than uh, than the Prism two thousand fourteen. Even if I understand that set is could be also very iconic in the future. But yeah, that, that, that's out of, <laughs> it is not related with any of the questions, but I thought was uh, something interesting to, to share. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's why there's all sorts of different sub-markets and different interests. And in the end, that's good for the hobby. I don't think it would be good for the hobby if that card was the most expensive card ever sold in soccer. I, I think I'd feel wrong. I feel like the, Alifa Bolege at, at at being number one and PSA nine that feels right to me. I agree with that. With that, I again I agree that it's it's so weird to imagine that card could be the most expensive. I don't want to believe to to be fair, but again, so many so there is so much crazy stuff going on sometimes that who knows. Um, actually, believe you said that on your predictions. You said that. Uh, um some some card will sell for more than one million and you even said if i'm not mistaken that you said could be even a number the messy card you actually said i i'm pretty sure you said that which i mean i you know you have to be cognizant of the world of the market even if you disagree with it right yeah um you know so you know and i i i thought and hoped that it would be the pele uh alifa nine and it turned out to be but you know i'm not beyond a halan you know one of one doing something like that because if you look at the modern market and other we just had a baseball card of a guy who i actually think is a busted prospect i saw i saw the, the one of one i i, I saw that <laughs> was you know, in goldin I mean, also yeah it's just like what <laughs> you know so um but I'll, I yeah. could be I could be wrong. But baseball prospecting is even crazier than than soccer. That's when uh, I, I believe that guy's not even on the major league, right? Is that's insane? <laughs> that that's really insane to to think about. Honest. At least Alan is playing for Borussia, which is a big team. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's move on. Um, this this is also a very fast one. One year from now, do, do you believe uh, uh, that at least will be official that PSA will be in Europe? Uh, this is for fun. Uh, uh, we don't have any type of information on this front. But why why you feel that? Well, I think well they already they they needed to to solve their biggest 
market problem, which is the US. And oh, so they've- I'm, I'm sorry, uh, just one thing. There is actually a lot of hints that this potentially can happen. Uh, Nat Turner ended up talking quite a lot uh, about this. So it's not, we are not making a wild guess. There is a lot of rumors around this. So just, yeah, just yeah. Just and I think that. that, you know, there and there's been public statements from a number of people. So, you know, I think that, you know, they, they solved the right problem uh, in the U.S. where they're solving it. They expanded Santa Ana. They're, they're, you know, have 130,000 square feet in New Jersey, which they already had an office. So that's going to create a ton of, of capacity here. And they, they solved the J Japan problem. Now they're creating on-site in Japan. Yeah. So like what every business does is they look at the opportunities and now they've been checking off their highest priority ones. And so just by the fact that you check those off, Europe has always been on, on you know, the potential. Soccer is a big part of that. And, you know, as you start to knock off other priorities, it just, it falls into line as that's the thing you do next, right? That's just the way that you manage businesses. You have these five projects, three of them are done. The other ones that are, you know, number six or number seven are now number two or three. And I think that, they're getting to that phase where they can allocate the resources to make it happen. Now, to what scale? Well, it may start off with a scale similar to what Japan was, more of a submission office. You know, some people where they organize things there, they organize the shipments from there to uh, probably the New Jersey site, right? Before they start doing on-site grading. That's how Japan was for many years. So that may be how they start. So, it, but it would be easier to submit. You wouldn't have to deal with all this custom stuff if it's mainland, you know, Europe, which are two big factors that people have to deal with. So yeah. I believe that just as a general business person that that's going to uh, happen. The timing right now, that gives you, you know, you're basically saying end of next year. You know, that's, that's a lot of time for a business to do something, 18 months plus. Um, yeah. You know, it feels to me like it's natural. I don't have any inside information about the actual dates but they publicly said it's an objective. And now they, they tick off the boxes of M&A and expansion. I think it becomes the next well, natural I, I believe I believe that Turner said that around September, the backlog should, should be basically done. So I believe after that, that they will start looking into bigger things because right now the backlog probably still a huge priority for, for them. And this is a fun one. Uh, you said that, that you collect, of course, your Negro League collection, and you, you can talk about them because it's also the, the last question. And Star Wars figures, that, that's actually quite uh, quite interesting. I'm actually, I, I've been collecting Star Wars quite a lot lately. So it's fun that, that you, you say that. Um, I collect, but cardboard, not uh, not. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I have some cards um, and I, I'd like to do, the, the sets that I collected as a kid, you know, the blue, yellow, green, original sets from uh, 76, 77. Um, but, you know, I really spent a lot of my childhood playing with the little figures. And the fact that some of those are still unopened and some of the, you know, the history of the 12 backs and the 24 backs, um, you know, it's just, it's just something cool. And, and like, there's all these little nuanced stories. Like one of my, my more fun ones is a, uh, a Jawa that was sent out with a vinyl cape. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, no, but that, that seems yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, so so it was an air. They sent the drawing to Taiwan and, you know, they're like, oh, a Jawa, and they put them in a vinyl cape. 
and then they ship the product and they're like, oh, no, 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 it's wrong. You have to, you know, ship them back and we'll put the little cloth capes on. And a few of those vinyl ones survived. Um, so it's a very rare, you know, uh, figure, especially, you know, on the back in an AFA 85, which is the highest grade. So there's just a handful of those, um, you know, known. So I, I was able to find one of those and I'm like, this is too cool. What a great story. So I got one of those. And so, I mean, it's something that I dabble in. I don't have a massive, you know, collection. It's not like, um, you know, oh, just, just, one, just one thing that I realized right now, sometimes feels like I'm not looking to you, but I'm always looking to you because I have two screens. Yeah, you have multiple screens. I have three screens up as so well. So don't think I'm actually always looking looking to you. Sometimes I, I just change the, the, the direction. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm also a huge fan of, of Star Wars. Um, I, I collect basically cards, but uh, I think it's fascinating that you, you you go into even a different type of, of collectible on the. Yeah, you know, I mean, like Star, Star Wars is huge in terms of, of collectors. It's yeah, insane. it's it's in the, all collecting has an element of nostalgia, right? So, so you know, for me, that those movies were amazing, huge part of my childhood. Things I'd play with, so. You know, I do worry a little like about investing too much in that because the people that have that super close connection to Star Wars, even though it's a great big franchise and now Disney has it, you know, I wonder if those people will go away with time. Um, I, I, I honestly don't, don't agree with that. I think Star Wars is still insanely strong. Even yeah, so there, there will like, be a, a new series for, uh, for Obi. And people are super excited. I honestly believe Star Wars is, is still uh, still stronger. Of course, with the original movies and people relate more with that stuff. But Star Wars is still a super strong. Yeah, the, the, the franchise is. I just wonder about the the older, like if it's going to continue to be important. I personally am saying yes, but I'm not 100%. I'm not a, I don't have the conviction around the steam power especially some of the recent prices, because they've done really well. These figures and stuff have done really well over the last couple of years. Um, oh, but for example, you know, the, the new set, the top scrum uh, Star Wars Galaxy is doing amazing. That went, that was huge, right? And because that's the first top scrum for Galaxy. Galaxy started on 93. And the, instead of um, pictures of the, of the movie, etc., they, they end up putting artwork, and is is a beautiful product. Honestly, yep. I'm I'm a huge fan of of that. But uh, lately, in this case, last year, they made the first top scrum galaxy, and those cars are going bananas. Basically, um, I, I I saw people saying that, that there are cars trading, low number cars trading at over five k for for that set, and the set is really 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 beautiful, and. Um, autos stuff like that that does very well nowadays actually i'm not sure if you if you have been following that but Mar the marvel market exploded completely in cardboard and star wars is falling a lot in, in, into that because the the marvel guys right now since the marvel is already to what they are putting eyes into star wars because it's the next big brand makes um, a lot of sense so i i love yeah. both, both both brands so yeah. And so, and, you know, I think that that, you know, I, I, I just like it. I don't actually, you know, now that I think about it, almost all of my collecting really isn't about if it's going to be worth more or less. It's just, it's just connecting to, you know, like I'm looking up and I got like, you know, the Zelda video games, it just reminds me of playing them as a kid, you know, the, so, you know, I, I, I just, 
buy stuff that I connect to, you know, on some level. Oh, can, can I share a crazy take with you? But again, another super unpopular take. I actually believe video games on one day will be the, the biggest uh, collectible in the world, uh, graded video games. I know some people late on those and there is a lot of manipulation, but it's crazy the, how this generation connects uh, with, um, with video games. And um, I, I actually, I, I believe that market will be huge because the is another international market if you think about video games it's yeah, not only it's, in america it's, it's even bigger than than you know pokemon which is one of the reasons why i love pokemon the fundamentals of pokemon is just how international you know it is and you you know you're searching you know for cards or you're you know competing with people and you're you know talking with fanatics in the netherlands and in japan and in australia and in and there's soccer has some of that but not not the depth and strength that the pokemon has no um, look a lot of uh, collectors not collectors but a lot of people in soccer could actually learn a lot from uh, from pokemon it's crazy how much collectors pokemon have there is cards that they never come into the market it's crazy and in soccer we feel like that we are seeing although even rare things coming into the market which sometimes makes me believe that there is still a, a lack of uh, true collectors in pokemon there is people that don't sell you for does not matter almost of course everyone have a price but it's difficult to to take things out from from certain uh, collectors and um yeah i think it's, it's also fascinating and we can learn a lot from uh, from yeah and it's, it's so international there's so many you know nuances to it there's all these you know between the promos the regular cards you know i think there's a lot to the rarity um i think there's just a lot in that market and it's so global that you know i think it surprises <laughs> me and i think it surprises a lot of people when they see how many cards PSA is great grading and it's like like right behind basketball I mean this is no no this no. is bigger L than, late, than late, lately Pokemon have, have been the top and and pe pe people think that if PSA opens in Europe will be about soccer people are very wrong about that soccer will be important but they will be grading a lot of Pokemon and and even other TCGs in Europe the TCG culture is is giant I mean because sports cards never end up being a thing a mainstream thing like uh, like uh, TCGs I mean uh, we end up collecting uh, stickers um, stuff like that and there is merits into that and there is some people that have no nostalgia for for those collectibles but TC Pokemon Magic uh, Yu-Gi-Oh etc those markets are quite ahead in Europe uh, versus, versus soccer. On that, I have no doubt. But I tend to think the more, because I'm, I'm a good example of that. Look, I started collecting uh, soccer because of TCGs, because I, I was uh, buying uh, graded Magic the Gathering cards. And I was like, you know what? Let me see about uh, sports. Because if you go to eBay and you start buying graded cards, it's a question of time until you find a Michael Jordan graded. And I was like, I don't know a lot about basketball. Uh, let me see about about uh, soccer. There is Messi cards, there is Cristiano Ronaldo cards. That that was the way I ended up getting introduced into the hobby. And I, I feel like a lot of people get introduced in the same way because I, I when I get a follow on Instagram, I tend to look at the profile of the person. And a lot of times that, that, that person, especially if he's from Europe, he collects Pokemon, he collects that type of stuff because there is a huge uh, crossover. And... Um, 
the question that I, I really want you to talk a, a little bit more because I know this is so important for you is uh, you said the, the word to define your baseball nigger collection is history, right? Um, I know you, you actually have been working on, on that uh, lately. Um, sh share your thoughts and why you think it's so important to, to tell the, the history of the, the Negro League. I only know about the history of the Negro League because of you, since you end up uh, sharing some stuff on Instagram. And I started actually researching about that, which is a fascinating story. But to share with us uh, why you think it's so important to Yeah, to well, I mean, you know, I think that... Um that it's just a it's a lost a largely lost part of history um so you know i think it's important to document the voices of those who didn't have voices you know or, or you know at the at the time and you know i think that it's been kind of until recently where i realized that you know i have you know accumulated kind of an impossible collection which includes many examples were the only known examples from obscure Latin American, you know, countries. Um, and that just nobody, number one, knows about these, very few people know about them. And then number two, very few people know even about the history. Even, you know, I had last week Major League Baseball at my house um, filming you know, some of the collection and I have, you know, there's people that have worked for Major League Baseball for 20 years, and I'm talking to them about players that they've never heard of who actually are in the Hall of Fame, right? So, you know, just the, the voice needs to get out there. And I have, you know, well, I was going to say in my house, but really in the bank, <laughs> um, in, in this dark, you know, vault, some of the most important artifacts. And I just feel like I need to I need to do more about getting those stories out. And it's important it, when I think about it, how historic some of these players are where they, people don't even know there's, there's cards or, you know, bats. Like I have a lot of their bats, which are the only known ones you can track to them. And, you know, they're PSA authenticated and some of the best bat people in the world. Um, you know, should I, should this stuff be sitting in my house? I mean, it, it, it's kind of cool, but at the same point, you're like, this is actually more historic than than just being me if it's the only josh gibson bat known you know which josh gibson is widely considered one of the best negro league players one of the best baseball players ever and he has one known bat and you know i have it in my house that's 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 just kind of i've realized that how important this is at the first point i was like oh i want to collect this stuff great because I had this great childhood interaction. I felt like it was unfair, but I've, I've kind of pieced together a really truly epic collection of like virtually everything that, that we know exists. Um, and it's just important. So I, I'm, I'm trying to find the right time and place with museums and others to kind of get this word out because these guys, you know, the reason why the Negro Leagues exist is a terrible history of racism in America. Yeah. which is absolutely wrong and very ugly but the actual leagues that were created and the players themselves were amazing and shouldn't be remembered and are you know beautiful from a, a sport perspective and and i want that positive to be accentuated and what these men did who most of whom died in poverty because they made very little playing in the negro leagues 
I'm missing you again. Al. Yeah, I don't. My internet keeps going out. I know we have a storm here, but it just it no, just no, went out. I don't no know problem. where you lost me because I kept talking for a while, and then you, I realized you were frozen. No, no problem. Uh, I you, again, you are talking about the history of the the Negro League. Um, saying how important that that you have those cards, but they 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 could be in a museum also. And uh, yeah. that you are actually looking uh, in, into that that type of stuff. So just five final thoughts on this is, uh, is is the last question. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, look at I think it, it's terrible history, but something really good came out of it, and these guys need to be remembered. Um, that that's really that's really what it goes. I mean, I have a tremendous sense of unfairness that these poor men went through, who are amazing athletes. Um, as you see, African-American representation in American sports, football, basketball is very high as a percentage of, of the population. And this is all pre-NFL and so, so pre-NBA. So all the best athletes played baseball. So you can imagine how good these guys were, right? They were just the best athletes that the country had to offer. And they were, you know, forced to play in obscurity. And so most of them chose to go overseas where they were treated better. They were treated better in Mexico and Cuba and, and Puerto Rico and Venezuela and Dominican Republic. Um, so, you know, you know, it's important to me because I, I listened to a man when I was young and he told me about this and he wasn't angry about it, but it really just inspired me to, to learn more. And as I learned more, I wanted to document, you know, their, their, their history. And I, and I think I've gotten to the point where I have, you know, I'm writing a book about it right now um and you know when i get that done and try to figure out what to do with a collection and continue to sp spread the word i'll um you know i may do something like that for soccer although i'm pretty tired so it, it may take a long time no look I'll, i'm not amazing with my english but i think it's amazing that um i think it's, it's just amazing that uh, you are the the person you are uh, because I think that that that's a sad history that you end up trying to 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 make a beautiful uh, thing, and uh, that means a lot for a lot of people. Of course, I'm I'm not super engaged with with the history of of the Negro League apart from what I learned from from you, but seems like a very noble cause, and uh, and if that's the case, I think is is amazing. So well done on that. I, yeah, I, thank you. I guess. You know, I think, I, I you, think know, I, you should feel proud because it's just an amazing collection. You know, I, I hadn't really that much until like more recently. Um, and so it's kind of been a realization kind of in process. Um, you know, my wife felt, you know, more proud, like, wow, look at what we've been able to do. So that, so that was pretty good. And it reminds me that, you know, every country has their issues. Every country has you know, struggled with racism it wasn't just an American thing. And every country had their Jackie Robinson, you know, people who struggled, who was the first, you know, African descent person. There's still racism in Europe and the US and yeah. South America, global about many different places, but but traditionally people of different religions and skin colors, darker skin colors. And and I just don't think that's fair. So I think the more we we get out there and we and we you know, come in contact with and face what this is and try to correct it. Um, you know, I think we'll be better off as, as an American society, as a global society. So maybe that's a little romantic, trying to change the world a little bit through through cardboard, 
but you know, I think I think we can, and and you know, I've always noticed that we're better. You know, I've lived all over the world, and you know, having an open mind to different cultures and perspectives, and is super important to to how I think the world should be. So, um, but but yeah, man, I think we took a little bit more time than we planned, but I think it was a great <laughs> conversation. No, I, I enjoyed quite quite a lot. Um, thank you so much. Um, I know this is a lot of time to, to take out of your day, but uh, I think uh, my community ended up requested you so so many times that I think is important. I did not, I, I, I let you talk quite a lot because I mean, you, you know so much that I think uh, we all can, can learn from you. Um, something so um thank you thank you again so much yeah no th thanks for the uh, invitation andre great great series lots of fun you know love the uh you know content keep it up uh we, we we won't always agree but you know we certainly i respect your you know opinion contribution to the hobby i know this is tough so uh appreciate you know the 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 friendship and the contribution and we can do this again sometime no, for sure. I, I will leave links for, for your Instagram, for your YouTube. I suspect that a lot of people are already aware, but uh, I will still uh, share all of that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for, for watching to another uh, episode. Great guest. I, 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 I thought this was a lot of fun. Hope you guys also enjoyed. And see you guys next time. Bye.